Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and welcome to The Great America Show. As you know, we're all about the American way and truth and justice for all. Right now in Atlanta, there's an injustice. There's a hearing underway challenging Marjorie Taylor Greene's re-election candidacy because a handful of voters in her congressional district, which she won by an almost 50% margin in 2020, who with the able help of Soros-funded group called Free Speech for People, claimed she encouraged and supported Capitol rioters on January 6th. An Obama-appointed judge ruled that the case had to move forward, even though two other similar challenges against Congressman Jim Banks and Madison Cawthorn were dismissed. The leftist-inspired challenge, not only based on a ridiculous and novel interpretation of the 14th Amendment, they're purely theatrical nonsense. But such is the Marxist left, and there seems to be no penalty for their nonsense our guest tonight is very familiar with the Marxist left in this country and all that they do, and in particular, the role they play in leaving our borders wide open, a Justice Department that is hard left, defying daily the Constitution and the law. Our guest is Tom Fitton. He's the president of Judicial Watch, one of the most important government watchdog organizations in America. Tom, it's great to have you back with us here on The Great America Show. Hey, Lou, good to be with you again. Thanks for having me. Well, I, I, we're, we're delighted, and uh, we're delighted with the work that Judicial Watch does. I know you're doing a lot of things on the election, uh, in addition to your always expanding portfolio, but the election's now about six months away. This is critical. Tell us uh, the latest uh, on Judicial Watch and the initiatives you have underway. You know, one of the key aspects that the left has been focused on have been the alleged horrible gerrymanders by Republicans, which I've been skeptical of largely, um, although not completely because, you know, Republicans aren't perfect either. But one of the worst gerrymanders, which is kind of the jiggering of congressional seats in order to help the party running it, uh, was in Maryland. Uh, and Maryland had a, a gerrymander that was roundly criticized by both, frankly, Democrats and Republicans. Uh, but it didn't stop the supermajority Demo of uh, Democrats in the legislature from shoveling it through. And we challenged it in court on behalf of, of voters in every district in Maryland, and we won. The court said it was an extreme partisan gerrymander under the Maryland Constitution. And they went back to the drawing board and came up with a better map. It was, it was remarkable in the sense that we got a victory. It was straightforward. And now we get to move on. Well, thank you for, for your success and uh, uh, critically important success because we're headed toward what uh, we hope will not be a rerun of the rigged election of uh, 2020. Let me ask you for your, I, I want to say one other thing before we move beyond gerrymandering uh, and the, the work you're doing on districts uh, in Florida. Uh, it's my understanding that DeSantis has succeeded uh, in drawing new lines, which eliminated, uh, well, let me put it another way, gave the Republicans four more districts in point of fact, uh, and thereby has closed uh, with those in Maryland. The, the Judicial Watch succeeded that, uh, the one, uh, the four in uh, Florida. This, this is, means that the two parties are exactly equal now nationwide uh, in advantage. Uh, your thoughts? Well, you know, in many ways, this is not the way it should be. You know, the the parties game the system a little bit. Uh, you know, it's not illegal to engage in, quote, gerrymandering per se. But when you abuse the system and, and uh, you know, for instance, in Maryland, they had, I think, 35% of uh, the voters are Republicans. And they came up with a gerrymander that gave uh, essentially one district to the Republicans. You know, that obviously wasn't fair. And, uh 
Now, the left likes to pretend that Republicans are gerrymandering maps based on race, and sometimes that's true. In Florida, they had a district in the northern area of Florida, you may recall, that kind of cut across the top of the state. And uh, I think it was very narrow and long across the top of the state. And our experts said, you know, that's not right. And DeSantis said it's not right. And he had to fight Republicans on it. Mm -hmm. Because as you might imagine, keeping certain voters in certain districts can benefit both parties sometimes, right? Right. right. And they both both parties seek that advantage. Right, right. And and sometimes it's based on race. And that's certainly not right. So. You know, we don't want generally politicians getting to pick the voters. It should be the other way around. And, you know, and just and just quickly before you move on, I know you sure. want to talk about other topics, but we had this big settlement in North Carolina. Where we ended a lawsuit after North Carolina on a related issue cleaned up over 425,000 names from their list after we sued. Mm. So, you know, there you've got significant more clean election list in Florida, thanks to a Judicial Watch federal lawsuit. Other lawsuits are ongoing and more are coming. So this is what I was long way of saying. I'm still worried about the future elections. Our lists are dirty. The left hates election integrity measures. And so they'll take any, you know, to me, they're going to try to take advantage of the rule changes from 2020 uh, to uh, try to game and rig the system again. Uh, your your judgment on how well, the and I'm talking now uh, because uh, Republicans were the victims of uh, the rigged election constructed by the Democrats in 2020. Uh, now, every fool in the country can argue with me about it being a rigged election. Uh, they can argue uh, till you know, whatever freezes over. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, that's what it was. Uh, in at least five states, and I think in quite a few more. So what I also see is an indolent RNC uh, that is not uh, energized, animated about changing the 2020 changes uh, back to to a sensible uh, election day system across the country, expanding drop boxes, expanding absentee ballot deadlines, this idiocy has to be removed, I think, before uh, the election. Uh, so far, I don't know uh, that that is the effort or the initiative of the Republican Party. Your thoughts? Well, you know, I think in some states they've, they've made some uh, advancements there. Uh, Georgia has not been perfect, far from it. But even their weak uh, reforms have been attacked by the left. Texas had more significant reforms. But I agree. For instance, we've kind of codified in too many states even though we've added some security measures, the vote by mail menace, uh, which is, in my view, uh, the very opposite of uh, fairly administered elections in terms of undermining confidence. If everyone's getting ballots in the mail, you don't know how those ballots are being handled. Uh, And it just invites, uh, increases opportunities for fraud that undermine confidence in the system. You know, it's not so much, and the left pretends that you have to prove fraud in order to be concerned about election administration. No, you don't. You need to highlight the fact, and quite fairly, that if elections are run with virtually no security measures that anyone can rely upon, why should we trust the results? Yeah, if there is no system of election integrity, uh, there is a system uh, of potential fraud. It's It's that straightforward. Uh, and by the way, that's even become the law as uh, interpreted and practiced by the Justice Department uh, when it goes out seeking consent decrees and when it uh, resists as a, as a body uh, voter identification and talks about discrimination and the result of having to have a photograph. I mean, the Justice Department is itself uh, an inland sea of idiocy uh, when it comes to election uh, law. Uh, and uh, election integrity. I, I, I just don't understand how this cannot be fixed and, and, and now. Well, this Justice Department isn't going to do anything. It's controlled by the right. radical left. Um, arguably, it was controlled by the radical left during the Trump administration. And yes, the attorney generals didn't really kind of comprehend that or get their heads around it. Uh, so instead of enforcing election laws, for instance, you know, we're talking about cleaning up the election list. We know it's a national problem. 
We know the states aren't doing the basic steps to clean up the rolls as federal law requires. We also know the Justice Department has zero interest in enforcing in enforcing the law. So we're coming in to do it. And in the case of states that are trying to take steps to uh, have stricter regulation of vote in order to secure them better, uh, you have the Justice Department coming in and challenging them. For instance, in Texas, you know, this voter ID issue. I mean, the Justice Department has taken the position that voter IDs to be challenged all the time. So, you know, it's it's a battle tooth and nail for clean and fair elections. And in my view, Lou, is like the long game here, if not the medium game, is for the left to end elections. They don't like elections. You know, it's just like they pretend to like the First Amendment, but in the end, they really don't. And they prefer to make it make themselves immune from it. So they're doing the same with elections. Yeah. The First Amendment, the Second Amendment, they don't like much right, yeah, anything. Know. I mean, we, we can go through the list. The Bill of Rights is an annoyance overall to the left. Uh, when, when we examine, not even closely, but examine cursorily what is happening in the country, we're looking at a border that's wide open. Illegal immigration is soaring as it never has in our history before. Uh, we have a, a president who is getting away with dropping Title 42, uh, which means an end to the remain in Mexico, to uh, immediate expulsion uh, to home countries and to Mexico. Uh, the the odds are that uh, so say uh, you know, so so they uh, the border security groups six hundred thousand a month. Uh, you know that works out to about a seven million a year on top of the two to two and a half to three and a half million already coming through. Uh, We're looking at changing this nation fundamentally in the course of about 36 months, aren't we? Yeah, Lou. I mean, you highlight the the significant consequences of uh, this invasion in the long term. And of course, you got the short term issue of uh, the public health, uh, which is what Title 42 is about, national security, uh, just basic crime. And uh, human and, and uh, human trafficking, sex trafficking, and of course the the cartels, uh, which are chiefly concerned with moving drugs across the border, and they control the southern border, uh, certainly the Mexican side, and they're the dog that wags the tail on the uh, on our side. I mean, Chris Farrell, who you you know, Chris, sure. uh, my colleague, he runs our investigations team. He was just down on the border, and he learned over the last year. There had been 9,000 documented drone overflights by the cartels of U.S. border operations. So we're pacing a paramilitary organization uh, with with bureaucrats, more or less. I mean, God bless the ICE and CPB, but they're not equipped to deal with this and respond to it. Uh, and, And then, of course, we're relying on the poor sheriffs and local law enforcement in the states to come up and clean up the mess because... The feds can't take care of all these people. So it's our, the states that need to do it um, or end up doing it or the local sheriffs. And this is what I would think. You know, look, we've got an invasion. The federal government's abandoned its constitutional uh, duty to protect those states from invasion. And the, and the Constitution specifically allows for compacts without approval by Congress uh, for situations such as this. The states can get together and secure their borders. And that's what they should do. Yeah, and they have under uh, the Constitution a right to, if indeed this is uh, successfully uh, labeled a, an invasion by whatever definition. When you're talking about people crossing your border by millions uh, without authorization, they are invading. Even though Greg Abbott in Texas is not uh, responding specifically to that issue in the Constitution, he is doing something on his own. No, it isn't, and he's a little late to the game on this, as usual, because he's, um, you know, he's that type of Republican. Uh, but, uh, you know, but the steps he took, for instance, in interdicting trucks—I mean, that's the sort of escalation in creative thinking that we need on the border. We got to think of ways to protect. I mean, if I were a governor, I would be desperate to think of everything and anything I could do to protect our citizens, their citizens, so, certainly in the border region. And of course, you know, it's Oklahoma, it's Arkansas, you know, DeSantis, you know, we, 
you know, with such an East Coast approach, immigration policy is so East Coast, right? Because we, uh, because we're here in the district or Maryland and New York, it, it might as well be happening in Timbuktu. Right. Uh, but this border region is a lot closer to a lot more people than just Texas. So when you hear noises in Alabama and Florida and Arkansas and Mississippi and Louisiana and Oklahoma and, and just north of Arizona and such, you're, you're, you know, this is not, uh, it's a hop, skip and a jump. And, uh, and of course, you know, they're flying people straight into White Plains. So, uh, but what New York has largely lost in terms of their ability to do with um, uh, any internal immigration enforcement because uh, the local politicians are aiding and abetting it just as badly as the Biden administration is. Oh, absolutely. I mean, New York uh, is the People's uh, Republic of New York. Yeah, make no, uh, make no, uh, uh, you know, mistake about it, folks. New York is a is is left wing. Uh, I think this is uh, true. Uh, every bit is uh, left wing. Uh, is Illinois, uh, perhaps not California, but uh, very left wing and headed in all the wrong ways and directions. I want to go back to what you said about those 9,000 drone flights surveilling law enforcement down in uh, Texas that Chris Farrell discovered. Uh, we haven't heard anything about that. And what has been the, res the response of the Border Patrol, uh, uh, DA, and other agencies operating down there under the surveillance of the cartels? Well, I mean, if the administration were serious about enforcement, they'd be uh, counter counter. Um you know, programming, I guess, you know, they'd be countervailing it. How about shooting uh, them out of the air? Yeah. Well, you know, if they're, well, I, I don't know technically how feasible um, or what is the feasible <laughs> response to it, but you can bet they're not even thinking about it. I mean, right. it, uh, my guess is the agents on the ground, this is just another fact of life they have to deal with. I mean, they know exactly what's happening. The drone goes over there. They see where the border patrol is so they just move their people to somewhere else. Right. And, I, and, and there, by the way, you know, all of the nonsense and the bull, uh, who is it? Mike McCall, when he was chairman of the Homeland Security Committee, was all excited about uh, censors. And every rhino you hear will be talking to you about censors and surveillance and drones and, yeah, but, uh, you know, yabba, yabba. Uh, meanwhile, the only people using technology are the bad guys. They've been pulled back so far from the border. Millions of people every in Biden's first year, two million illegal immigrants across the border. I love it. They rack that up as an encounter with the Border Patrol and one point six million of them, according to Mark Morgan, the former commissioner of Customs and Border Protection. One point six million were released by the Biden administration into this country without so much as a howdy do. Well, those are the ones that are caught. I mean, the getaways or the gotaways are uh, an, an exponential factor of those who are interdicted and let out, like, as you point out, uh, essentially not turned back as it is. So, uh, you know, it's a free for all. And of course, you know, these aliens and the drug cartels that smuggle them in aren't going to stop as long as there's no consequence or no effective uh, protection of, of our sovereignty there. And so, you know, to me, uh, this is an eminently impeachable offense. The fact that Republicans aren't talking about it. There are a few good ones that are doing it. I mean, there's a, a harder core group than there used to be in the House. Uh, some mm -hmm. of our friends have gone a little bit soft, but McCarthy is afraid of impeachment. Certainly Mitch McConnell is never going to countenance impeachment. Uh, but, you know, if if the rule of law and our nation's sovereignty means anything, and uh, it, what would it mean to allow a president to knowingly aid and abet and, and help foreign nationals enter the country illegally and then move them around the country. So they're able to settle um, with tax dollars. Yeah. If that's not impeachable. I don't know what would be. Well, you know, what would be with a rhino? Nothing. Yeah. Both, both names that you've just mentioned, Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy, and they are pushing McCarthy hard to be the speaker of the house. If this red wave election comes to pass uh, and you know, what's going to happen? Not a thing. McCarthy is a rhino and an establishment tool to the bone. He's never been anything else. He is straight in the lineage of uh, John Boehner uh, to Paul Ryan to Kevin McCarthy. Uh, it's all the same tree. It's all the same sap. 
uh, it, it's just it's pathetic. And the Republicans fear upsetting the apple cart or, if you will, uh, making a splash with the wave uh, because they don't want to do anything to lose. And playing to lose is the perfect way for the Republican Party to always snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, the day, uh, yeah, I should say the danger is, uh, you know, Republicans will probably win in November, at least on the House, because the politics are such that they they would they would they would have to work hard to lose. Uh, but, you know, the question is, what are they going to do with the House victory? And is it going to be more of the same where uh, Republicans tell conservative voters who put them in? Oh, no, we can't do anything now. We have to wait for 2024. Well, the Republicans are going to create a third party. If they screw this up this year, a third party will arise so powerful and so quickly that their heads will spin. And then we'll see what happens to the Republican Party and all the creeps that run it. I I mean, we've we've reached a level, I hope, of intolerance in this country uh, of this kind of incompetence, this kind of uh, shallow uh, talentless uh, leaders. To 70 people say the country's headed in the wrong direction. You know, the Republicans think they think that's all about Joe Biden. No, that's about Mitch McConnell as well. It's about Kevin McCarthy. It's about Ronna McDaniel. Uh, you know, the Democratic National Committee uh, is under indictment right now. Uh, and that's about the only only way in which you could say that the Republican National Committee is somehow better than the DNC. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I try to avoid the the party analysis as uh, running a seat like Judicial Watch does. But, you know, my experience is that, uh, you know, as a citizen and and observer of D.C., is that there's a disconnect between the current Republican leadership or much of the current Republican leadership and uh, the voters that put them in office. And as long as that disconnect continues, unless there's either, unless the leadership starts reflecting the values of the people who put them in office, it's, it's going to be trying times for folks like you and me, Lou. Yeah, I I'm afraid. So I'm, I'm afraid. So I'm frightened of the prospects for this country right now, because we are putting up with a man who takes orders from a bunny uh, on an Easter roll. I, I mean, what in the hell are we doing? And we and people chortle about it. They laugh about it. And this man is the president of the United States, and he has at his side an absolutely equally incompetent, inept, and uh, devoid of any apparent knowledge, Kamala Harris, the vice president. The Republican Party at least put up known tried leaders and the democratic party should absolutely be indicted impeached whatever it takes for their failure to put up decent leadership decent people who have intelligence talent and some gift to run a government i it's incredible that we are tolerating this nonsense uh it's just disgusting your thoughts well, the challenge on uh, for the Democrats is that they uh, have the corrupt corporatist wing, of which Biden is the representative, and then they have the rising communist wing, right? The AOCs and the radicals like Elizabeth Warren, uh, and then you know, and, and Clinton is uh, you know tries uh, tries to uh, keep both uh, feet in both uh, camps as well. You know, my view is Biden's got significant political problems in that regard. He has little moral. Um, claim on the presidency, half the country reject it, rejects it because of the compromised 2020 elections. And on top of that, uh, you've got this corruption crisis that Biden, uh, the media is helping helping him with, but they're whistling past the graveyard on it. I mean, it wasn't just the Easter punny who came to town in uh, Washington this week at the White House. It was Hunter Biden. He showed up. This is a man who's under criminal investigation for bribery, money laundering, um, foreign agent violations, uh, and, you know, tax fraud. And he shows, and he, he shows his face at the white house. Yeah. Uh, you know, and with little now it's, it's, it's the president's son. Is that surprising? No, 
But what is surprising, the yawn from the corrupt media uh, that would have went apoplectic if it was a similarly situated conservative slash Republican uh, president. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, and when you talk about Hunter Biden, the laptop, the the question becomes, uh, when you talk about the investigation that the U.S. attorney in Delaware has been carrying on, think about this. You're a man uh, of, uh, of many investigations uh, with great experience. Have you ever heard of the Justice Department taking four years, four years to investigate corruption, uh, felonious behavior on the part of uh, significant public figures? Or is this just another case of what I think the Justice Department has become a burial ground for truth? You know, there's a little bit of irony here, Lou. I think the Biden investigation was shut down during the Trump administration and somehow got going during the Biden administration. Barr shut it down during the campaign. He made it clear he didn't want anything done substantially. And then Biden came in and the Justice Department had no choice but to proceed because everyone knew they had the Hunter laptop. The problem with the Justice Department is um, because you've got Garland, who's a federal judge, and he kind of and he kind of knows what the rules are. So, you know, that's a problem for the radicals in the Justice Department. And the rules in the Justice Department are that there are special counsel be appointed when there's a conflict of interest. There's obviously a conflict of interest with investigating Hunter, especially since some of the crimes implicate Joe Biden. In the least, he's a witness. Uh, Frankly, he should be a target. And in those circumstances, there has to be a special counsel. And, you know, uh, I don't know what type of job this this person's doing in Delaware, but I do know that a special counsel is necessary, irrespective of uh, what the what they're doing, because that's what we were told for years under Trump. You can't have the president being investigated by his own Justice Department. We need a special counsel. Uh, let's talk about William Barr. The American people, because the corporatist elitist media, uh, leftist media, uh, will not focus on what Barr has already admitted. He admitted that he knew that a presidential candidate was lying about the laptop and about his role with that laptop in a presidential debate in front of millions and millions of people, tens of millions, uh, because he didn't want to intervene in a an election. Tom, what do you make of that? Why, what would you think that an attorney general, the chief law enforcement officer in the country, what was he afraid of? Was he afraid of intervening in an election? Or was he afraid that his buddies down at the university club or whichever one he belongs to in Washington would chide him for supporting Donald Trump, who is just happens to be the president of the United States? Well, you know, that's the pretend Justice Department rule out there, right, Lou, that they don't intervene in elections, which, of course, is not what the rule ought to be. If you're fairly administering justice, you don't let elections keep you from doing an investigation. There you go. You don't time investigations to elections. And when you refuse to intervene because of an election, that's putting your thumb on the scale the opposite way, just as much as intervening because of an election to advance an electoral process. So this is why, again, Barr failed to understand what is, in my view, what his responsibilities were, which was to make sure the law would be pursued irrespective of politics. And obviously, you don't say, hey, let's time an indictment to the week before an election like Lawrence Welsh did. Remember the mm-hmm. special counsel on Iran-Contra who absolutely who could forget put, right? helped put Bill Clinton in office. Uh, so there by the way, just so you just so the audience knows, uh, Walsh intervened on the final Friday before the election of 1992. Uh, that's that's how clear it was. He indicted uh, uh, he indicted Cap Weinberger, then uh, who was a Secretary of Defense for Reagan, and implicated and and suggested that George Bush, who was running for re-election, had done something wrong the Friday before the election. Yeah, yeah. Was, and here uh, you had yeah. in the summer before the election, Barr refusing to allow investigations into the president's son to go forward. But this that's you know. 
it's not even a question. I mean, first of all, the other side has no rules and then we follow rules that make no sense. So it's not even, <laughs> it's true. It's absolutely true. <laughs> uh, and, and, and then Barr who president Trump correctly and succinctly stated is a weak man. Uh, and that's who we're talking about, but that's the man he put in that job. And what I still don't understand are the number of people who work in Washington, who live in Washington, Tom, who will say when I criticize Barr because, A, uh, he didn't get anything done. B, he chickened out when he should have been at his bravest and most courageous. Uh, he did not uh, investigate an election that I don't care what his basis was for saying it was a perfect election. Uh, it was not. And he knew that. He had to know what was going on all the way around 360 degrees, and he didn't allow his FBI, his Justice Department to investigate what were clear irregularities, anomalies, and use of private funds to drive uh, <laughs> at the cost of hundreds of millions of dollars uh, the, the, uh, the Democratic vote in five Wisconsin uh, five of Wisconsin's largest cities, for example, that doesn't even include Georgia and Arizona and Nevada and Pennsylvania. But anyway, it's I, just, I disagree with Trump. I don't think Barr was weak. I think he was no. stubborn and quite strong when it came to, you know, just doing what he wanted to do, irrespective of what the law and the facts and history <laughs> okay. might require of him. I, I by mean, the way, a certain consistency to he does what he wanted to do. You know, for instance, he was insistent on getting rid of Mueller. I mean, it was clear he wanted to shut that down. He wasn't weak then. Uh, but when he decides he doesn't want to do something or he decides it's not in the best interest of the institution of the Justice Department as he sees it, he's not going to cede to any other interpretation, including the interpretation of the president, who's, in my view, his, who's, whose orders, as long as they're lawful, should be followed. Absolutely. He is the president. And this idea that somehow the Justice Department and the FBI are independent agencies, independent of responsibility to the president of the United States, the chief executive, where in the heck did they come up with that rule? And because and by the way, they didn't have a they didn't hesitate uh, in, in either the FBI, the CIA, NSA, you name it. They didn't hesitate when the president's people uh, under Barack Obama, decided they would start concocting nonsense uh, and creating a dossier and a faux uh, Russian collusion conspiracy to stop Donald Trump as a candidate, then overthrow him as a president, get him impeached twice. I mean, it goes on and on. And now January 6th, Tom, this is seven years of political persecution and outrageous, outrageous criminal conspiracy on the part of the Democratic Party. The, the Obama administration's uh, intelligence chiefs uh, and throughout the FBI, rancid, pervasive, disgusting, appalling corruption worthy of a cartel, a Mexican drug cartel. Well, I mean, what we're seeing is like the operation practically speaking, uh, and I know it's not literally speaking, but practically you have a one-party state apparatus targeting its opposition. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that political opponents don't rise to high office like the presidency or, you know, the, the Senate is split and there are significant numbers of Republicans in the House, but you have this one-party state apparatus trying to target, jail, spy on uh, its political opponents, and they're doing it uh, from the highest to the lowest, from President Trump to, uh, you know, some volunteer who wanted to be an alternate alternate slate, um, an alternate an alternate member of an electoral slate that would compete with the uh, slate that was under uh, disputed in states like Wisconsin and elsewhere. Uh, the, the, there's nothing too petty that they won't target. Uh, look at the the way some of these January six defendants have been treated. Uh, look, there, we had a, a woman killed on in the Capitol for no good reason, Ashley Babbitt. Right. And it's big, been a big yawn. So, look, they, they don't care if you get killed. They don't care about your rights. That's how awful this crowd is. Yeah, uh, they are awful. And the American people are tolerating it. Uh, and, you know, they're being told everything's just fine. You know, the, the, 
the Democrats are patting people on the head. They know that they've got, and I'm going to name names and, and groups. I mean, the African-American vote in this country is tied to the Democratic Party uh, beyond all reason or rationality of uh, what the Democratic Party has done uh, to that uh, socioeconomic uh, racial group is, is appalling. Uh, and Donald Trump said, what have you got to lose? And he was right. What do you have to lose? And what they have become is a reliable vote for corruption, uh, absolutely un-American uh, attacks on our very institutions that preserve freedom and liberty for us as citizens, and, and through the Marxism that is the hallmark of every major uh, initiative by this White House uh, and corporate America now, and every, it seems, every non, uh, nonprofit in the country, uh, an effort to destroy the family, uh, to destroy American values of, of, of decency uh, and life itself. It, it's horrible. It's a horrific moment in time because we should be more worried, uh, absolutely, uh, about China than we are Russia. But we should not for one moment think that the dangers, the threats uh, are any less with, from within. Uh, this is at least the same level. The, the extremists within our society on the left who mean to destroy us are at the same level as, uh, as communist China's external threat, don't you think? Well, I mean, it's it's this transnational extremist left, and they're operating in China. They're operating, yes, in Russia. Uh, you know, the irony of the Ukraine-Russia situation is I'm just waiting for the for the worm to turn, where all of a sudden, for the left, it's the Ukrainians that need to be attacked and opposed, while the Russians need to be supported. I mean, every position politically of the extreme left in this country is purely tactical and short-term and unprincipled. And uh, when you're seeking to destroy the nation, undo our government, uh, act in, and I, call, I don't call it unconstitutional, anti-constitutional ways, uh, you're doing it that uh, it, it's this transnational left. They all have the same approach. And there's different flavors of it, the Chinese communist flavor, the Russian strongman flavor, the internationalist flavor in Europe. And of course, the AOC type flavor here in the United States, uh, but they're all they're all drinking from the same fountain of uh, anti-Americanism, uh, communism, Marxism, as you point out, uh, that it would be so destructive to the American way of life. Yeah, and and destructive of the family is a is the fundamental foundation of the American dream. Uh, and the American middle class. Uh, it just a, a moment where we were making considerable progress, building a, a middle class, uh, African Americans joining that middle class, uh, Hispanics joining that middle class. The, the decision was made somewhere along the way by the Democratic Party that that is just a little too comfortable and a little too close for their liking. And they have swung hard left, Marxist left, and are encouraging uh, not only uh, universities and professors and uh, teachers unions, but also Wall Street and corporate America to join them in the Marxist binge that could uh, just simply overturn uh, our foundational uh, institutions and values. Now, it's a clear and present danger, and, uh, and I, I worry... F for the Democrat party, you know, my concern is that we have a major political party in the country uh, that is uh, being largely controlled uh, by uh, this anti-American left. And, um, you know, we can't allow our country, you know, it's one thing to have Democrats who, uh, or people who are liberal say they want higher taxes, they want to preserve social security, the typical debates we have, mm -hmm. but it, it's gone from, Oh, we want higher taxes to we want to confiscate the wealth of Americans by name. Uh, it's a, now a tenant of this party to target sex talk at school children by teachers. It's now a tenant of this party. Uh, and it used not to be a tenant because there were pro-life Republican Democrats 
uh, to support abortion throughout the entire nine months of pregnancy and beyond, paid for with tax dollars. So this extremism is is remarkable and problematic. Uh, you know, I worry about the Republicans, but I also worry about the Democrats uh, because there are tens of millions of Democrats who deserve better representation for their liberal values as opposed to the left-wing values that the leadership is now advocating for. Well, Tom, why not let them become Republicans? Well, they, yeah. They, 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 the Democrats are, you know, what they deserve to be. <laughs> their leadership deserves to be in jail. I, uh, I knew that was going to get you, Lou. Oh, it got me. <laughs> it got me because uh, we need in this party, the Republican Party, to start you know what the other thing, Tom, when you're you know commiserating for the for the Democrats who are being led by monsters, uh, and I mean Marxist monsters without question, and a, a a puppet by the name of Biden who walks around uh, without uh, without purpose or knowledge of where he is or where he's going or where he's being. It's so clear, and no one talks about is this is this not maybe just a little dangerous for a superpower to have a, a, a an inept a clearly impaired old man wandering the White House thinking that he is king of the world. Uh, isn't that a little problem? And isn't it another problem when the rest of the world thinks that he thinks he's the king of the world? Uh, it's, it's, it's frightening to, to the bone, is it not? Well, certainly that would be part of Putin's calculations when he was considering whether to invade Ukraine. I mean, a, he I'm only surprised he didn't invade the United States. We look helpless and foolish and ignorant. I, I mean, we look bizarre to the world. Why would you not just simply march the Russian army uh, through, uh, you know, uh, the Canyon of Heroes? Who's going to stop them? That's right. That's the right. Democrats say they won't fight no matter what, even if we're invaded by Russia. I mean, who is going to stand up for America in this country? When we commiserate with the damn Democrats, who are the most evil political party uh, in, in the history of this country, <laughs> trying to do, I mean, they're trying to destroy the country, are they not? Well, certainly the, the uh, again, I, I don't want to get too partisan here. I'm working. I don't want you to be partisan. Just yeah, honest. I'll let, you, I'll let you be the partisan. <laughs> I'll I'm be the partisan. That the leadership of our parties is corrupted. The Democrats, as you point out, they they've got this. Uh, uh, this this destructive leftism uh, that is animating, you know, that is the energy behind their party right now, right? It's, and it's it very is. dangerous to the country. Yeah, and it, uh, it used to not be that way. I mean, it used to be that crowd was kept in a corner or up in the attic, and 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 trotted out at an academic conference or two. Now they've given given the keys to the car, <laughs> and as you highlight, it's extremely dangerous and it has worldwide consequences. And, you know, you've got the cognitive challenges of Biden that obviously everyone sees except American news media. Yeah. And then B, the ethical consequence, the ethical challenges. When Putin is calculating, he sees a, a corrupt, weak American presidency. And how does he know it's corrupt? Because he knows because it was his gang that was giving him money. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, lying about it all the while, saying they were giving. And here's here's the only place they had that right. It is Russian disinformation. Putin wanted Hillary Clinton to be president. Uh, but the disinformation was actually coming from the intelligence organizations to the American people. We get more disinformation campaigns. We are the subject of more disinformation uh, campaigns in this country from our own damn government than we are from either China or from Russia or Iran. Are we not? Yes. And the intelligence community, who do you think the chief market for different disinformation campaigns are if you're a foreign adversary? Not the people. Your enemies running the government, your intelligence establishments. They're the ones who they're trying to fool. They're the ones who they're trying to game. And in the case of the Russia disinformation, which continues to this day, they're still talking about it, Lou. They haven't moved away from it at all. They haven't moved away from it at all. I mean, this is, it's our discussions about Ukraine. It's like if, if you are skeptical of anything related to Russia and the Ukraine, and, you know, I think Russia's invasion of Ukraine was outrageous. And that, But, you know, now it's like, unless you're willing to go and fight in Ukraine for Russia, 
you're Trump, you know, you're you're part of the Trump conspiracy. It's crazy. Well, I, I'd rather be. I, I see more Ukrainian flags now than American flags on Twitter. <laughs> we actually had 40 Republican senators sign a letter demanding basically that not basically demanding a no fly zone be established 40 Republican senators. Uh, and by the way, that's all the usual suspects, uh, and, and, a, and a dozen rational human beings, but that's it. 40 of them at the same time, we've got, uh, Chris, and by the way, that would be an, uh, Putin said very clearly, it would be an act of war to establish a no, uh, no fly zone, uh, over, over Ukraine. And he would be right. And then we have Chris Cohn sitting on Face the Nation this weekend, who managed to secularize the holiest day for all of Christianity so that he could cry out for the people who've been killed in Ukraine. And that is a foundation to send our troops to Ukraine. It was outrageous. And there was not a single response a uh, reaction from Margaret Brennan, the host of the podcast. He has just insulted Christians by saying that uh, Easter is the day for we celebrate the human spirit and, and grieve for the victims of COVID. Uh, I, I mean, what? What in the world? Who decided to define Easter in those terms? It is the day of resurrection. It is the day in which we receive forgiveness for our sins and those of us who believe in Jesus Christ's eternal life. And for that to happen on corporatist media, flagrantly secularizing our holiday, do that to Muslims, do that to Islam, and see what happens. But from us, nothing. Yeah. And it's already today. Unbelievable. Well, Your you know, thoughts? I'm thinking about the, you know, the Kunzes of the world. You know, this is the establishment that gave us the Ukraine invasion. You know, they're the ones who misapprehended what the Russians were capable of, what their goals were, what they would react to. They misapprehended the strength of the Ukraine people in responding to an invasion, which meant that they didn't provide the necessary weaponry and supplies that they could have su supplied early on. And even as the war continued, and it looks like, oh, what little they were giving them was having an impact, you would have thought that they were, you know, being asked to dig into their own pockets personally as they were handing out material and supplies to the Ukrainians. So it's like the worst of all worlds. It's like this rhetoric that suggests that Russia is the worst thing since Hitler, while this lack of action to confront it. So it's this moral preening combined with weakness that gets people killed. And my view is if you if it's in the national security interest of, of the United States for Russia to lose in Ukraine, which I believe it is, then you would you would be taking different steps. Doesn't mean deploying troops, but you wouldn't months after the fact start sending in weaponry that you should have been sending in months before the fact. Yes. And 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 no one's being held accountable for them failing to apprehend what was going trillions of dollars have been spent on our national security establishment to stop a war in Europe. And we have one. Yeah. Where's the accountability for that, Lou? Well, again, accountability. Uh, we, we don't want to admit that this is uh, the white house. Now is uh, its inhabitants are evil. They're inept. Uh, they're impaired and they're puppets. And uh, the only issue is, who is it that benefits from pulling their strings in the direction they have because their agenda is to, uh, without an exception, uh, a, a Marxist agenda, destructive of everything American, uh, energy independence, destructive of our public education system, and supportive of a Marxist uh, radical dem uh, uh, set of teachers unions? Uh, we are, it, it's just we're under assault from within, we're under assault from without. And uh, when we have Republicans lining up uh, with the left to go after, to, to put our troops in Ukraine, it is sickening to me that they would risk a single human life to do so. Their responsibilities are 
uh, of a different nature. Support the Ukrainians who proved themselves to be great fighters, uh, committed patriots to their land, and we should support them. We should not put a single American life uh, at uh, risk. If NATO wants to put troops in, that's another story. Uh, but it better be European, and the Europeans better show they actually care who their next door neighbor is. Uh, because right now, Ukraine, uh, its fate is highly questionable, don't you think? Well, I think it's going to be a long war because the corrupt class that runs our country doesn't want uh, Russia to win, but it doesn't want it to lose. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so what we're going to have, it's going to be Syria. It's it's truly a sad, tragic, and deadly dangerous moment in our history. Uh, and Tom, I have to say, I've enjoyed our conversation. We always give our guests the last word. Uh, take it away. You know, I, I appreciate the ability to discuss this, Luke, because, you know, we do this day-to-day late-breaking news all the time. You know, but between your experience and my experience, I mean, we talk to some of the decision makers here. We've seen it up close. And it's a nightmare here in Washington, D.C. And the reason we're so animated and so fearful for the future of our country, because we, we're, we're seeing what goes on for real behind the scenes. And, and it's worse than anyone's worst conspiracy theory. You know, the truth is often worse than what you fear. And the mm-hmm. truth is this country is being run um, run into the ground uh, by a, a, an elite class that's antagonistic. Uh, to the American way. And and uh, it's a dangerous time. And that's why we're upset. Well, uh, well said. And Tom Fitton is the great leader of the uh, of Judicial Watch and does so much for all that is America and American. Thank you so much, Tom Fitton, president of Judicial Watch. Thank you, Lou. And thanks, everybody, for being with us. Be here tomorrow when Dr. Mehmet Oz is our guest. Dr. Oz is running for Senate from the great state of Pennsylvania, endorsed by President Trump and leading in the polls, and a great American. Please join us here tomorrow. We want to invite you to sign up for our Great America show advisory and newsletter. Simply go to ludobs.com, that's ludobs.com, and click on the email newsletter button. It's as simple as that. And we'll send you our advisories and alerts, as well as our weekly newsletter. I don't want to overstate anything, but I'm pretty sure you will absolutely sense at least a small positive change in your world outlook. We invite you to join us and stay in touch. Thank you. That's ludobs.com. Thanks. God bless you. And God bless America. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas... Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Download speeds up to one gigabit per second. Cox internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply.